2: Hello and welcome to another episode of STT Rewind. I'm your host Owen Hughes and joining me this week to talk film, TV and football is Set the Tape writer and podcaster Steve Norman. Coming up on the programme, in part one, we bemoan Oscar Bates as reports emerge that the latest project from Robert Zemeckis is being pushed back a month to give it a greater chance of winning at the Academy Awards. Is gaming the system fair game or does it undermine the Point of Industry Awards? It's TV in part two as we look back on some of our favourite shows of the past six months before we turn to football and the World Cup in free play it's coming home everyone in case you hadn't heard Matt Latham provides a public service announcement in cassette tape now let's get on with the show films steve we're back and as ever starting with our film section slightly unusual topic this week i guess due to the timing of it as we're talking about oscar season which is typically something associated with the winter months and not when we're in the midst of what is considered a heat wave here in the uk with the uh, temperatures touching 30 degrees almost uh, it's too hot for me I don't know what it's like for you. You've just been in Malaga, so presumably even hotter over there.
3: Not a little bit hotter. It's probably more humid.
2: Yeah. yeah. So either yeah. either way, not nice. Yeah. I think uh, you know twenty one, twenty two is about the maximum I can pull up with. But
3: uh, it's definitely is it's definitely clammy, is how I describe <laughs> yeah. it.
2: Mm, especially getting stuck on the trains at the minute. Yeah, uh, they're not nice. But uh, anyway, so the reason that I bring up Oscar films. And the Oscar season uh, is because Den of Geek are reporting that the new Robert Zemeckis film, which is he of Forrest Gump, Castaway, Flight, Polo Express, and of course, Back to the Future fame, uh, the release date of his movie, Welcome to Marwen, has been pushed back to the 21st of December in order for it to stand a greater chance of being an Oscar contender. This, to me, seems like if it was happening in any other industry with any other form of media, would be considered gaming the system. And I know it's not like a revelation at all that, oh, my God, someone's moved a film to give it a better chance of getting an Oscar. We know how it all works by now. I don't need to explain the whole process of, of getting nominated for Oscar films. But I mean, is it is it fair that something like that is happening—that it's allowed to happen—that this gaming of the system is is allowed to happen, or is it actually a, a bit of a, a crap thing to do—to to push a film at the expense of something that might be a better movie, but isn't what is considered a typical Oscar film? I what mean, what, what what do you
3: think? What are they trying to gain by this? What what advantages is it are they gaining? Because Phil. The Oscar period is, is a 12-month period where films in that 12 months can be nominated. So is it just because it's closer to the yep, awards and so they think it's going to be fresher in the critics' mind? I think
2: that, that is probably a big part of it, yeah, for sure. Um, and the other thing is, the week that it comes out, uh, it's actually it's going to be up against Bumblebee, which is the Transformers spin-off, and it's going to be up against Aquaman, which is a DC movie... And although I hope it's good, it will probably bomb a little bit. Anyway, it's been pushed back a month. So what Den of Geek are claiming uh, is that it's happening because it's going to give it a better chance of picking up an award when it comes to uh, the Academy uh, Awards handing out their little statuettes. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I think if it's good enough, it should stand on its own. You know, Arrival from uh, a couple of years ago that didn't come out in typical Oscar season that came out earlier in the year. You know, I think it might've been an October release and that was still there and or thereabouts when it, when it came to those awards. Um, I just think that sometimes maybe what's happening is, you know, if the, if the film is being pushed to a release then because they think it's going to get an Oscar, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of the Oscars? You know, isn't it to celebrate the best films and not those that are released during a certain bracket in the calendar where, you know, they're more likely to get attention? Shouldn't it be the case that if something like Sicario 2, which comes out this week, or was had literally having us an unlimited screening at Cineworld today as we're recording, um, or something like You Were Never Really Here, uh, you know, both of those films have been picking up a lot of acclaim isn't it a bit unfair on something like that that because it's released at this point in the year it's not going to even get a sniff of an oscar just because studios push those sort of films into a particular window or yeah. you know am i am i being a bit too fussy about it and, i don't know yeah. i mean it's
3: it's it's difficult i don't you know you got to think do critics really think like that i mean do they i don't know how mm. it all works for oscar nominations well, to, to, to yeah, you it's, know.
2: To it's not just critics that, that vote on them. Or though, not, is it? not critics, yeah. but
3: whoever's voting, I mean, do they, mm. I mean, I'm guessing they don't rewatch every film in the run-up to the Oscars sort of, two weeks beforehand, but I'm sure anything that they would yeah. be considering voting for, they'd give a rewatch again in the run-up to the voting.
2: Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, just be, because it's being released 21st, I mean, the the, the other thing about Oscar films, of course they get pushed they get screeners sent out to everyone who votes anyway yeah. so they're not rocking up at their local showcase cinema you know with a 10 pound ticket and a bucket of popcorn they they're watching them in the comfort of their own home with a yeah. massive watermark across it but still you know um i don't know i always feel like it's just a bit of a it's being pushed at the expense of something else. Uh, you know, it may be a, a great movie. It may be the best film that gets released this year. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's that is a possibility, I suppose. Um, and it's not to say that it isn't better than Sicario 2, but it, it feels like that's what the studios are saying. They're saying we can, we can push that out then and keep some of this other stuff for this part of the year when it doesn't really matter. And if that's the point... If it's not being made for the audience um it's being made to get an award, then surely that kind of devalues the movie anyway as a as a piece of cinema yeah it's 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 there to uh, you know the the phrase Oscar bait gets banded around but that that almost seems like that is what it is you know the just from the sheer context of it being pushed back a month to to get closer to the award season. Yeah. It's Oscar bait, isn't it? That's 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 what it is. It does seem like that and
3: it's you know is is it dishonest? Is it a hmm. bit sneaky? Um probably yes. Is it completely wrong? No. Hmm. I mean, I suppose I suppose there's always a bit of flexibility with films as when they can be released. There's nothing to stop any other films being nominated. You know, any other hmm. films that want to be Oscar bait doing the same thing. Sure.
2: Well, if if we've discovered, like, Oscar bait isn't our favourite films, have you got any, any sort of favourite films of the year? Anything that jumps out at you straight away? Uh, I felt it was a bit of a slow year to begin with, but it's picking up a bit now.
3: Yeah, it has been. So much of a slow year that actually cancelled my Cineworld Unlimited card, <laughs> bit hasty. I just wasn't getting enough use out of it anymore. I I mean, essentially, you can go on a. I'm not going to go into it it's boring, but I wasn't getting enough use out of it anymore. I was really impressed with some of the Marvel films this year, which kind of reinvigorated the um the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, because it has been going on a long time now, and you did I did get kind of feeling in a couple of places it was starting to get bit tired maybe yeah mm-hmm. um, and then wearing and then they, down a bit yeah and then they released uh, Black Panther and mm-hmm. um, Avengers Infinity War this year and just like yeah okay we're, we're back on track now um, as they were both fantastic um, mm-hmm. superhero movies also uh, Solo well not one of the best films of 2018 was certainly um, a much better film than I thought it would be, and gives me a bit of encouragement about uh, you know looking forward to basically Star Wars is Star Wars's um, <laughs> version mm. of um, Marvel.
2: Well, I think they're knocking a lot of those films on the head. That was the news the other week. It wasn't does it?
3: seem like it. Um, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, we mentioned sicario 2 earlier and uh, and you you were never really here both of which we will have reviews are very shortly on set Um uh, we'll also have a review on the website of the mind-bending sci-fi horror the endless which is about some guys who get caught up in a um ufo death cult it's made by justin benson and aaron moorhead um I'm really pumped for this movie. We've, like I say, we've got the re- a review of this coming up on setthetape.com from Sean. Uh, we've got Les Leslie Pitt. He's writing a feature around it as well. I'm hoping to get a review into the next podcast we record in a fortnight's time. Because honestly, I am just so hyped for this film. It looks exactly the sort of film that would make my top films of the year list. It's that kind of vibe about it. TV, no, then, and uh writer Callum Petch is currently undertaking a behemoth of a task to collate everyone's mid-year favourite films, music, comics and books, uh, and of course, TV shows. So, something we don't tend to do in this section of the podcast, I feel, is just praise a bunch of things. We're going to critique and criticise a lot of TV shows, or we've done a lot of moaning about The Walking Dead this year, Um complimenting them seems to be something we rarely do um, so I think we should share some love for our top telly so while Callum is putting together the written articles let's have a chat about some of the stuff we've been watching this year, uh, I've got a couple of things that I've put under categories, I've got some favourite drama some favourite comedy um, have you got anything that leaps out at you as being the best TV of the year undoubtedly oh. the best TV of the year
3: not not yet. I say yet. Mm-hmm. There's a long way okay. to go, but nothing mm-hmm. that really jumps out at me at being fantastic. I mean, there's there's a fair few things that have come back that I've not been overly impressed with. Um, okay, like The Walking Dead. Yeah, <laughs> which is <laughs> we've established over the is past few months. Just garbage now. Um, mm. But the um, fear of The Walking Dead seems to be going from strength to strength. Actually, strangely enough. So
2: I have heard that. I just can't... I dropped it ages ago. Never yeah. went back. But, yeah, someone else was telling me, I think it was my cousin, saying that it's one of his favourite shows on TV at the minute. Yeah. Which surprised me. So, so yeah. Yeah. Who,
3: yeah. who knows? The, uh, you know, Humans has come back to Channel 4, and again, I, I can't get back into it. This It's a no? show about the kind of synths who are roboty people. Yeah. But it has been some, some good things. I... Binge-watched in about two days a uh, sitcom on Netflix called Champions about two guys who own a gym and one of their, uh, they have, one of them basically has to take in his son who he didn't really know that he had, um, mm-hmm. which was okay. It was just a, a steady comedy. Um, it was fine. Uh, the Good Place, which only had five episodes aired in 2018, so I'm being a bit tenuous <laughs> here. That is one of the best new comedies I've seen in a long time and I can't wait for that to come back. That was brilliantly funny. Apparently the new series will start in September of this year. And also Safe, um, which is a Netflix show Mm -hmm. starring Michael C. Hall of Dexter uh, doing an English accent, which took a couple of episodes for me to get my head around. (laughs) Where's he um, from? Is he Geordie accent? Is he just generic No, it's just kind accent? of generic generic English accent. I mean... I would
2: have liked to have heard him have, like, try and put on a Mancunian accent. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, the Yorkshire Dales or something that's, like, it, not the standard.
3: It could have been that, um, um, you know, they could have just had him be an American living in England or cast an English guy. But they didn't. To me, he didn't seem big enough actor to sort of be a pull to get you'd watch this series and then cast them as an English guy to, to mm. you know. But anyway, that was kind of a, like a murder mystery kind of show, kind of broad churchy feel, I suppose, although perhaps not as good okay. as Broadchurch, but Netflix original. That was quite good and quite an easy watch. Um, and also uh, The Rain, um, which, which was on Netflix as well, which was the Scandinavian um, post-apocalyptic show which, again, was pretty good, although the dubbing did irritate me a bit. But other than, once you get past that, um, mm-hmm. basically accents and voices are annoying me this year. Seems to be my pet peeve <laughs> 2018. But yeah. no, once you get past past those, then, yeah, The Rain is, is a very good show as well.
2: Cool. I haven't watched most of those, so um, I'm going to have to look into them. I, I just saw someone writing off safe. Is it one that's a bit slow to get into, or did you were you hooked from from the get
3: go I was quite hooked from the get go but it is not kind of I don't know how to describe it it's it's not bad it's not great it's but it's kind of one of those shows that's easy to watch and it keeps you interested it kind of yeah I don't know I mean my girlfriend watches these two programs these two shows quite a lot um and it's kind of I don't know you've heard of one's called uh, Scandal the other is How to Get Away with Murder mm-hmm. uh, both American shows and they're both kind of kind of crime murder mystery type shows but there's a kind of theme or story running throughout the whole series rather than something say law like something like law and order or something sure uh, or criminal minds but so but each episode kind of leaves you on like a big cliffhanger type thing yep. so it really entices you back to watch the next one even if you start feeling it's getting a bit silly there's no end of an episode where you think I can just stop watching here and won't Mm -hmm. go back to it. There's no kind of, even if it's the mid-season episode, um, there's no kind of episode that ends and just a a, a nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And and you could jump off. It always ends on like a cliffhanger and you're thinking, right, I've got to go back and watch and see what happens now because that's just ended in the most mental way possible.
2: Okay. So, but yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'll tell you something I did watch that I have absolutely loved this year. Also by AMC, coincidentally, uh, is The Terror, which is, um, I, I might have mentioned it on this podcast. A yeah, few, you definitely few weeks have, ago. yeah. Mm. So it stars Jared Harris, Paul Reddy, Kieran Hines, um, produced by Ridley Scott, and created by David Kajanich. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Kajanich, maybe. Uh, who, he's the guy who's actually written the screenplay for Amazon's remake of Suspiria. Uh, And also for the new Pet Cemetery film as well. But the Terra is a 10-part miniseries set in 1848. About two ships, the HMS Terra and HMS Erebus, uh, they get stuck in the Arctic on a Royal Navy expedition um, to find the Northwest Passage. It's atmospheric, it's tense, it's brilliantly acted. It's basically a survival series. You've got a, a weird possibly spiritual ghost monstery type polar bear that's running around um you've got all the slowly decaying morale of the ship's crew um the the stiff upper lit british types also mixed in with the commoners muck kind of mutinous types um it's about I, 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 i just want people to watch it and it's a bit of a shame that because it was on AMC, uh it was a, it was shown on BTTV over here, because I, I have BTTV, I don't have Sky, which is why I miss out on so many HBO programs. So I feel like I've won one back by having this on BTTV because it is so good. It is fantastic television. Probably my favourite show since The Exorcist, the first season of The Exorcist. Um It's really... Top quality TV. I totally recommend picking picking that up if you see it around or if it comes to Netflix. I, um, I don't know what's happening with it now. Um, but as for comedy, uh, I don't think I enjoy any comedy series on TV more than I enjoy Taskmaster on Dave, which again I've already I've plugged on here a couple of times in the past. It's got a very simple premise, which is devised by Alex Horn for UK TV um five comedians competing each week with a series of like rid- ridiculous tasks set by Greg Davis who's the host uh it's a bit like whose line is it anyway crossed with crystal maze okay. so there's lots of like yeah lots of little tasks that they have to do but it's basically about how they improvise them yeah um and and they've had a whole range of different comedians on there and you know they've had um frank skinner Noel fielding tim key uh this series they've got lisa tarbuck russell howard is on there tim vine um there's just so many like different sorts of comedians like all with very different styles and they they seem to pick a good mix of them for each series so it works out really well um again this latest season's been was been really good as well but probably one of the best things i've seen that's I guess you could call it a TV show, but it's like a four-part Netflix special. Um, it's James Acaster's repertoire, which is uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, reminded me a lot of like Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle, uh, but with a, a higher hit rate of gags and less repetition. All the things that people find annoying about Stuart Lee and find him in- inaccessible are kind of stripped away and you're just left with James Acaster doing... Really good, clever comedy. Um, I definitely, definitely recommend picking that up on netflix have a Have a quick browse of that because it's it's just so funny. But yeah, Callum is currently collating the lists of everybody's favorite TV shows, um, and I'm sure that'll be up on the on the website on uh within the next fortnight. But next on the episode, we've got Matt Latham's cassette tape.
1: Hi, it's Matthew Latham here and I'm back to teach you a lesson. And that lesson is to remember when you're supposed to record a podcast section. Oh, actually, no, it's not. It's to watch your ears. Now, I don't mean wash. I mean watch, as in to take care of them. Because this is a music section of the podcast. And what is the main tool that people have to use to enjoy and listen to music? It's the ears. I myself suffer from tinnitus and I have done for several years now. And that's because of all the loud music. So I wear noise cancelling earplug type things with like a frequency filter filter in them which means that loud noises and loud bass if crappy sound men or anything to go by don't basically assaulting your ear drums but it still allows some crystal clear sound to come through so vocals or if you're stood next to someone having a chat during the mid-set section you're still hearing them quite perfectly but it still offers some protection i'm not going to name specific brands because i just found them on amazon and we're not sponsored by anyone but i fully recommend doing that it's a topic that i wanted to talk Talk about because the recent news coming through that Dua Lipa was forced to cancel a gig after about three songs in Denver in the US last night and due to fears that she could permanently damage her hearing. I think it was to do with an ear infection in the end but it raised the idea that everyone needs to think about the health of their ears. I mean what are you using right now to listen to this? Have you got your volume on a bit too loud in your earplugs? That can cause it. As much as you don't want to hear the person on the bus next to you snorting or farting or burping. just back one on the volume just to take care of your ears and why not treat your ears to the fast forward that is coming out in the next two weeks so the album that i am genuinely looking forward to and have done for ages which could potentially be very high on my end of year list is endless scroll by the new york band bodega the songs that they have released so far as singles how did this happen can't knock the hustle and Jack and titanic have been brilliant great tag teamy vocals between male and female vocalists and just with a very catchy catchy indie punky sound to them and that's it for me and hopefully you're still hearing this and in the future we'll still be able to hear this thank you
2: so thanks to matt latham there for his uh, music roundup but we're on to free play now this week and we've left ourselves with just enough time i think to chat about the world cup which is dominating media at the moment and i for one could not be happier when the World Cup comes around. I think this World Cup has been like a few others as well for England fans. Would you agree, Steve?
3: Uh, is, yeah, have you found it? We finally realised we're not very good at football and don't think we're going to win the bloody thing.
2: Yes, except when we beat Panama and everyone suddenly thinks we're world beaters again. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I think the thing I've enjoyed most about those performances from England is just that they've been, at least in the first half, um, good games to watch. You know England yeah. playing well. Um, it's very attacking. Uh, obviously they've they've looked a bit defensively naive at times, but I don't really mind. I just think it's quite fun watching them. There's no,
1: yeah.
2: there's no dross in the team like there sometimes is. We're dragging players through for the sake of it. You know, picking big names just because their names. For the fact that Joe Hart and Wayne Rooney aren't in the squad. It's probably baffling to a lot of, you know, people only in the sense that if we were still with Sam Allardyce, you could imagine both of them starting in that first game.
3: Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think by the end of July, we're going to be knighting him, Sir Gareth of Southgate.
1: <laughs> and giving yes. all the
3: players in the squad an OBE. Yeah. Because we're going to win the World Cup.
2: Well, no, Germany are out, of course. The threat of penalty shootout um, knockouts is slightly... Uh, it's, 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 there's not as high a chance of it now. Of I course. just think
3: nobody in this tournament has really stood out yet. Mm. Um, I mm. mean, Croatia won all three games. They look pretty good. They've got a wonderful midfield with Perisic and uh, Modric and Rakitic and Kovacevic come off the bench as well. That midfield is just is stunning. Yeah. Um, France won two games and drew one run beating the group they don't look anything that great um, Russia um, and Uruguay had good groups but were in a pretty weak group with Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Egypt who overly relied on a broken Mo Salah and Saudi Arabia who were just pitiful um, yeah, yeah. Um, Brazil they've got through the group they don't look anything special um, the the team seems to just let Neymar do what he wants to so the team's detriment. Argentina have scraped through and and very much scraped through. Mm. Um, Belgium looked quite handy, but they've only. I was going to mention two, Belgium. They've only mm. played two the two quite poor teams. That England have played. Uh, there's some surprise packages there, like Colombia, who. Look, they look pretty good and like we already mentioned Croatia and it's it's one of the most open world cups in years you feel like any team could beat any other team on its day Spain and Portugal aren't really firing on all cylinders yet um mm-hmm. yeah and you just think that if you look at the, the knockout fixtures the first knockout round while there's favorites in probably most of the ties you 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 wouldn't be surprised if the other team won
2: yeah and of course the the greatest thing to to see in a World Cup is when big teams go out in the early stages. You know, we've only had Germany, really, as one of the big teams that haven't made it through. Yeah. You know, um, I thought France, at the beginning of the tournament, would be, they would have been my pick. And I think there's still something about winning whilst playing really badly, um, or at least qualifying whilst playing badly, You know, you as everyone keeps saying, it's already become a cliche of this World Cup, isn't it? That you grow into the tournament after a bunch of teams Mm. had very slow starts. But, you know, they've topped their group um, with their really breaking stride. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, them
3: them and Denmark should be ashamed of themselves. Mm. And removed from the competition.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everyone wanted Peru to go through from that group, didn't they?
3: It was just the way they played out that nil-nil draw. Because yeah. suited both teams, it was just pathetic.
2: Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was gutted for Nigeria. I was absolutely gutted yes. for them. Yeah, you know, uh, I thought and Iceland as well. You know, to a certain extent, um, but the fact that they were in that group with Argentina and Croatia was a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, possibly. And, you
3: the, know, the this, the this so-called group of death. That one. Yeah. Um,
2: although Brazil's group was.
3: Fairly tough in the end, but I think everyone saw Brazil running away with that group, really.
2: Yeah, that shouldn't have been as tough as it was, really. No. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm, I, the fact that England are through, do you want them to finish top, even if it does, you know, we could end up playing Colombia, for example?
3: I or? don't care. I don't, no. I don't agree with this um, going out there to lose the game. I don't think England should be looking to lose the game at all. Mm. Um, I don't think they will. I think the players will want to win, whichever line that's put out there. However, mm-hmm. if the scores should be level, because obviously the group is so finely poised with us in Belgium, should we be, be level um, with 10 minutes left and finishing second in the group would um, give us an easier, <laughs> easier ride... I wouldn't be adverse to us picking up a few silly little bookings to make us the worst team on the fair play table.
2: What do you... Well, I thought Kyle Walker probably should have got a yellow card, should have picked up a yellow card in the last game intentionally just to miss the Belgium game because we could go into the next like knockout stages missing Kyle Walker if he gets booked against Belgium. Perhaps, which, yeah. You know, yeah. which might might not be such a bad thing if you're playing someone like Japan... Mm. where we're obviously going to be playing quite a high line defensively and you can just drop Dyer in there or put... Yeah, you know.
3: against, uh if we end up against Senegal or Colombia, who have some very quick forwards in the likes of Cuadrado... Mm. Well, Colombia particularly, um, yeah. And Mane as well for Senegal, then you don't really want Gary Cahill going up against them. True. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, it's all ifs and buts and maybes and I just mm. think England will go out there to win... Um, for me, the idea of people saying, oh, they should, he should play the most effectively the reserves, and I'm thinking, well, you're playing a weakened team, but what you're also doing is playing a team of players who haven't yet played in the World Cup or have maybe got 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. They're not going to want to go out there and lose. They're going to want to go out there win, get themselves into your starting eleven, or at the very least, make sure their only contribution to a World Cup isn't a weak defeat. If mm-hmm. you want if you want to go out there and effectively throw the game, you play the players that have played and won two World Cup matches already and just say, Look, Yes, we're better off if we chuck this one, so just don't really try too hard, lads.
2: I would I would prefer to see a competitive match. I think it's gonna be treated a lot like a friendly. Hasn't uh, Martínez, Roberto Martínez already said he's going to rest like Lukaku Well, Lukaku's,
3: Lukaku's injured by all accounts, but he has right. suggested that he will make a fair few changes to the teams that have played so
2: well against Tunisia and Panama. So we might see them resting Dedrick Boyata to bring in uh, Vincent Company. Maybe. Yeah. We, we can only hope. <laughs> yes, yeah, so or Simon Mignolet in for Courtois. Yes. Well, if he's,
3: if he's trying to if he's trying to lose the game, putting Mignolet in there will probably guarantee him that <laughs> he's better off putting me in there. I think. <laughs> yeah. And there's two problems with that. I'm not a goalkeeper, and I'm not from Belgium.
2: Yes. So. Third problem it's too late to be registered for the squad. Not so. if
3: not if all his goalies get injured between now and tomorrow. Is that a rule? Yeah, you, I think you're because goalies a specialised position. If two of your three goalkeepers were to get injured I believe you're allowed to call up another goalkeeper ah. just because it's such a specialised position
2: hmm. did not know that there you go people listening have learnt something hopefully yeah
3: every day a school day
2: Yes. Yeah, so I think that's a good good point to end the podcast there thanks Steve Thank you for listening to another episode of STT Rewind with me Owen Hughes and my co-host Steve Norman if you enjoyed listening to this podcast please subscribe to Set the Tape on iTunes, Acast or wherever you download your podcasts from and leave us a rating and a review, seriously any little thing you can do to support the show really makes a massive difference to us let us know what you thought on Twitter and Facebook, both at Set the Tape and why not check out some of our daily articles featured on our website at setthetape.com, including reviews of sicario 2 westworld and a whole bunch of other stuff thanks for listening to this episode we'll be back in a fortnight